Today marks a special day, one tomorrow we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday when President Ronald Reagan declared that so many years ago. Uh, there's, a, there's a part of us that stands back and listens to his words, and I want to share with you a couple quotes that he had that were so moving to me about hope in general this morning as we get started. But I also want to recognize that today is designated on many of our calendars as a day that's called the Sanctity of Life Sunday. And that phrase, sanctity of life, is really a fascinating one. That in Genesis, when it described our creation, when we were created and, and invented by the God of the universe, one of the things that he said is that he said, we were created, that you are precious, you are precious because you were created in the very image of God. In Latin, they call it the imago Dei. And that phrase is not just a theological term that we cast aside, but what it means is that every human being is created in the image of God. So therefore, they are precious. And so when we think about unborn lives and we think about what it means to fight for unborn lives, it doesn't matter if they're wanted or not wanted. They're still precious. You understand? It doesn't matter if they come on the timeline that we wanted them to come on, that they're still precious. And this applies to other portions of life, especially today, that, that our church family, we have so many connected members of our church family that would be considered special needs or have unique aspects of their life or the way they're wired. And for some, they'd look at them and they'd say, maybe that defines something or someone as lesser. And I want to declare to you today that my understanding of an image bearer of the living God is they are precious. And then we think of people in the world today. This is really common today in our society that when a person cannot contribute anymore in a way that feels like it's, it's necessary or valuable, that, that at the end of life, that for some people we discard them. And, and I just would say to you that that, that just disregards this concept of the sanctity of life, because every life is precious. And today, as we study the book of Job, one of the things that he's going to do is he's going to have people who give him counsel. By the way, people are giving this counsel today. Curse God and die. Give up. Allow there to be, a, a, just, just tap out. You're done. It's okay. But instead, what he chose to do, and this is what I want to do, is I want to put the keys of life and death back into the hands of the God who created it, right? And so today we declare that our God is precious and those who are created in his image, that's every single one of you, that's every person that has ever been created by God is precious to him. And so when we say sanctity of life, uh, we, we act that way. And I just want to say that I'm so grateful for those who are in our church family who fight for unborn children in our community. Some, you know, we're thankful to have people who lead in the, the Cleveland Pregnancy Center, the Oasis of Hope, other places that are in our community that are serving and offering options for people who are asking the hardest questions about life and death. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm also grateful this morning for the words of Dr. Martin Luther King. And I just want you to hear these words. It's funny, you didn't know this. He talked a lot about hope. In the quotes that he shared, the, the value of people, we talk about age and, and his understanding, I think theologically, incredibly appropriately, is to understand that a color of a person's skin or their, their race 
uh, or their eco ec- economic status has nothing to do with how precious they are, how valuable they are. And I want you to hear these words. They're so meaningful to me um, that were, were declared by uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And, and I just love these words. In the midst of outer dangers, I have felt an inner calm And I've known resources of strength that only God could give. In many instances, I felt the power of God transforming the fatigue of despair into the buoyancy of hope. Isn't that a great phrase? For for some of us, if you could define your life right now, you'd use the word despair. For, for some of us, we, we accept that we're in crisis, a lot of us, and, and the buoyancy of hope. That's pretty cool. I think we might change the church name to that, you know, like buoyancy of hope. It's pretty cool, isn't it? It's a great phrase. He, he went on to say this elsewhere. He said, always be sure that you struggle with Christian methods and Christian weapons. Never succumb to the temptation of becoming bitter. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we're going to see this in Job today, that that there were some that surrounded him that just allowed the circumstances of life to make him bitter. Um, But then finally, I love this. He says, I still believe that standing up for the truth of God is the greatest thing in the world. This is the end, or like when we say the purpose, this is the purpose of life. The, The end of life is not to be happy. The end of life is not to achieve pleasure and to avoid pain. The end of life is to do the will of God, come what may. <laughs> Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And as we prepare our hearts for your word, I ask that you would be glorified on this Sanctity of Life Sunday. I thank you for those in our church family that contend for the lives of unborn children, the, those in our church family that minister to those families and individuals that have been called at times in their lives lesser Uh, Lord, we recognize that as image bearers of the living God that we are precious to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the model and example of this man, Job, who was not a perfect man, was certainly a flawed man, uh, but was a man that I think we can learn so much from. So this morning, we thank you. I thank you for that that statement that Pastor Jim just mentioned, that you're, would you give us some, some, uh, uh, just just powerful moments of hearing your leadership in our lives. Hope Church does not exist unless Hope Church family serves passionately, faithfully one another. And so, Father God, I pray that you'd teach us to do that as well. We love you. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, so I have a, a question for you. I want you to remember a time in your life when you just felt awesome, okay? Like, like you just felt really good. Everything was good. And okay. That's a little harder, isn't it, than if I ask you to remember a time when you really were in pain, right? Like, like when I say when you're really in pain, some of you are like, oh yeah, I remember that sick bed. I remember that pregnancy. I remember that time. I mean, it's amazing the way God wired us that it could just be our toe, right? Like a time when we stub our toe. Did you know, that? I read an article this last week that said during COVID, this, all this stay-at-home stuff, that podiatrists are actually very busy. Uh, and I want you to think about this for a second. It's because people are working from home and they're not exactly putting on their work shoes, and and then they're stepping on things around the house, right? You know that feeling, right? On top of a matchbox car or something like that, or those old jacks. You guys remember those? Just stepping on something, right? 
If I, if I had to ask you a question about your, your life experience, it is really difficult for us to remember times when we feel really good. Uh, but it is fascinating that times when we've been sick or when we've been frustrated, physical pain, we can remember that pretty well, can't we? It's funny, some would say that, that some of us are sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? And we've experienced that, that emotion, that f- physical feeling. And, and today what we're going to see in the life of Job is a man who had experienced great suffering. And probably, if we're honest, it's going to be worse than anything that you and I have ever experienced before. But, but in that suffering, what he chooses to do is to keep the Lord at the focus. In fact, you could, you could hear this, this phrase come out of Job's life. We are going to get through this together. <laughs> that, that we're going to get through this together. Uh, one of the more painful experiences of my life came when I was um, playing football. I, I need to make sure that I'm really clear when I talk about football playing, that I wasn't that good at it, Okay. And one of the things that I did on our football team is I was a kicker. I was a punter on the football team. And one of the sad things about me being a punter on the football team is often I was also the guy who made the tackle, okay? So you guys, those of you who know football, you understand that that's not a good sign on a football team, right? And I had a game where I, I remember it like yesterday where I had punted and I went down and was a part of the tackle, and I had a helmet go right into my right quad. It was, a, it was just a full on, like, you're like, how do you tackle somebody that way? I don't know, okay? It's what happened, right? And um, I didn't know it at the time, but underneath that pad that I had, there was a bruise that was forming that was about the size of a volleyball on my leg. Well, uh, a couple of uh, series later, a couple of plays later, uh, literally the same thing happened to me again. Go down the field, kicked, went down, make a tackle, helmet goes. I don't know if it was the same guy or not. Uh, I don't know how his neck's doing either, let's be honest. But, but what happened inside my leg, the doctors would later call it minositis oxification, where calcium deposits are kind of almost like bone. It, it grows inside of your leg and, and my leg was straight as an arrow, okay? I couldn't even get in a car on the way home. I, I was in so much pain, and it was, it was just so painful. And they did x-rays, and they could show me these little BBs uh, that, of like this, this bone flex that were in my muscles. And they hooked me up to this machine. I can remember the, the thing that they had to try to fight for range of motion, and this machine would bend my leg, and uh, often very, very painfully. It felt like a torture chamber a little bit, you know? Um, but uh, I can remember the physical therapist at the school, the, the sports physical therapist, they offered to help. And so I can remember days and days of just sitting on the board and having this therapist just, just bend my leg. And it was just, it started so slow. And I remember one time after a really painful time period, it was painful for me. I looked back and, uh, and the therapist was in tears because it was, you know, she could tell it was in so much pain. Um, but she said this statement. She said, we're going to get through this. <laughs> we're we're going to get through this. And she's right. I've got full range of motion. I'm so grateful for, for what happened was that the body and its incredible gifting, uh, it, it, it worked around it. The muscles really repaired themselves. There was this process of restoration. And, and at the end of the day, uh, I ended up being stronger through that process than I was before. It's kind of funny. I hear you could take that x-ray and they'd still be there, those little bones. But the muscles repaired around that. 
And this morning, I want to ask you, as you walked into this room, we all have emotional pain, physical pain. We, we know what pain feels like. And for some people, this phrase is something they've forgotten right now, that they've given up. They've actually said, you know what, I can't. I can't keep climbing. It's too hard. It's too difficult. And what's amazing this morning as we study God's word together is it's going to be attached to this little word that we use often. It's the word integrity. So interesting that your faith and your integrity, your ability to live out what you, go, or you actually believe is under the microscope when you go through a time of suffering. Your integrity is the thing that you're going to fall back on. Well, when we say integrity, it's just what we believe. It's what we believe about God. It's the things that we have said, this is precious, this is valuable, this is important. But when you get into the crucible of life and when you begin to suffer, what's going to be in question is your integrity. And I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Job chapter 2, verse 1. That we're going to see something that feels like a familiar scene. You're going to say, we already read this. Well, we read this in chapter 1. Job, before God and his encounter with Satan, is going to have, he's already taken away Job's family or large portions of it. He's taken away his physical wealth. And now Satan is going to attack his physical comfort. And I just want to remind you this morning, I'm going to say this to you as many times as I can, never give up. Just, just don't. Uh, there, there's temptations to do it. I'm not suggesting that there's not reasons to want to give up. People give up every day. Never give up. Never do. It's not, you don't have to give up. Verse uh, 1 of Job chapter 2 says this, Again, there was a day when the sons of God came. These are angels, remember to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Remember, he is an angel, a fallen angel. And when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord, and the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. Remember, seeking whom he can steal from, devour and destroy. Now we see this twist in the story that sounded so familiar. Now we see the shift go from Job's wealth and his family being torn away to now his health. Verse 3 says this, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Then there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man. Now this is new, who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, though you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Job's wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? It's funny that the word integrity shows up here in multiple ways. It's going to show up later as well. That, that's in verse 9 that it says that. So, so, so integrity, uh, it's a fascinating concept. Have you guys ever seen, this, this next picture is incredible to me. This, uh, <laughs> this is, a, this is a, a climber on Mount Everest. And this, now I'm guessing that when they say the instructions on aluminum ladders, uh, that this is not within the appropriate usage of aluminum ladder, right? Like when you bought that from Home Depot, that it didn't, it didn't recommend that you strap this across an ice crevasse, that if it snaps or falls, that you're going to die, right? 
So the person who, this, I want you to catch this. This is really fascinating to me. And this is what I think of when I think of integrity. Is that integrity is often an architectural term or a, an engineering, term, a concept of something being, it, it has, it has a structural, you guys have heard this before, structural integrity, right? That it's load-bearing. And, and I want you to think about things that you've seen. You know, there's balsa wood out there in the world that it looks like it's solid, but it, you could just snap it right in half. Right, but but then there's other beams that are load bearing. They can take what what you put on them. So so you look at it and you say, Can this hold my weight? Can this sustain me? And and, and a thing that has integrity, so it looks like it can, and then it actually can't. So can you imagine the poor guy whose job it is to go up and put the ladders up at the beginning of the season? Right. So so what this person has to do is they climb up and they're setting these ladders up for others. But, but after they set this ladder up and they, they, they pound this into the ice and everything, somebody has to be the first one to go across this thing. And so they put it up. It looks like it's going to be able to hold, but somebody has to take each one of these steps across it. Friends, this morning, I just want to tell you, God's okay with you having to depend on him in really difficult times in your life. He's 100% dependable, 100%. But, but, but he's okay with us having to take the next right step, right? He's okay with us having to trust him and to depend upon him. And at times, it's a cause for a lot of sweat, right? Uh, when we get that diagnosis in the hospital, I've been with families through that, where, where you get a, a diagnosis that sounds overwhelming, and then you have to stand back and you have to say, well, well, did I trust God before I came into the hospital room today? And do I trust God when I leave the hospital room today? And if you can't do that, you're missing out on understanding what it means to trust God, right? So integrity, the, the idea that I have a belief about something and that I'm willing to be a person that holds fast to it. And I say that the God that I serve is trustworthy just, I just think that that's what it means for us to do this, is to trust him, to maintain and protect our integrity. You want to be a person who holds tight to your integrity right now. When people question it, when they challenge you, when they, they ask you, can you really trust God? Has he always been there for you? I hope and pray for you that you're able to answer that with a resounding yes. Verse 9 or 6 goes on to say this. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he's in your hand. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and he stroked Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes this is incredible. That his suffering was, was palpable, right? Uh, they believed that this was a form of leprosy that was, was charted in ancient times that was horrific. It impacted the inside of your body and the outside of your body, made your skin black. They, they, it has a, a term that's associated with like elephants because of the, the idea, like your physical body changes so much. We're going to see the, the consequences of this. I can remember, you, you guys have all experienced poison ivy before. Uh, and, and probably some of you have had a cast on before. I can remember growing up that my brother had a full foot cast and he got poison ivy in there. I can just remember taking that coat hanger and just rubbing it in there and then it'd come out bloody, right? 
Job, Job is, is in this experience. He's taking pieces of pottery and he's just scraping his flesh. Uh, for, for some of us to, to understand the scope of what Job's suffering is going to be described through the book of Job, I just want to take you on a quick journey. It's terrible, uh, but I want you to hear what he suffered. In Job 12, 12, 2, 12, it, it said that his friends, we'll, we'll put them on the screen, it, if you look at 2.12, we'll just summarize it here. His friends didn't even recognize him because of this, this thorn in his flesh, the, the physical ailment. He walked up to them and they didn't even recognize him. In Job 3.24 and 25, we, we see that, that um, he had trouble eating, that he was paralyzed. by. Some of you are like, well, this really feel good, John. Thanks a lot. Uh, his suffering um, was terrible. He says in, in 7.5 that he says, my flesh is clothed with worms and dirt. My skin hardens, then breaks out afresh. That's just gross, isn't it? Uh, it goes on in verse 19. He smelled bad. It says that his, his, his uh, breath was strange to his wife. In uh, verse 20, in chapter 19, it says he lost so much weight that his bones stuck out. He's just sick. And, uh, you, you know, there's just, there's just more. In Job 30, 17, he was in so much pain he couldn't sleep. In Job 30, 27, his stomach was a mess. In Job 30, 30, this is his declaration. This is towards the end of the book that Job, Job says this. He says, my skin turns black and it falls from me and my bones burn with heat. Uh, we know that this suffering was so real and, and for people in this room, I, I know that there are people in this room or in this, within the sound of my voice that have had cancer diagnosis, that have experienced horrible suffering in their life. I, I, I'm not diminishing that at all, but I just want you to catch when we read about the ailments of Job, that he was suffering from the inside and from the outside. I want to talk to you for a, a moment about suffering. I think one of the things that's interesting about suffering is we really understand the why behind it. And so Job didn't get to understand this divine dialogue with Satan. He just knew that this stuff was ripped away, right? And so in his suffering, we might cry out to God, like, why is this happening? Let's use my football injury for a second, just as an example. So, so can you think of a few maybe responses that somebody might, like me might have? I might try to find the manufacturer of the pad that uh, didn't quite protect me or find the guy who who, when I tackled him, he stuck his helmet in my leg, or the coach that put me in that day, or, or, or maybe theologically that I could find myself saying, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? It was a season-ending injury for me. I'm mad at you. God, why did you do that? And, and I just want to remind you, this is so important for us, that, that I think that when, when suffering happens, that, that it's important for the Christ follower to understand that it's just a portion of the suffering that the Lord Jesus chose to take on for you and I, right? So, so he chose the cross. Like, my suffering was just a tiny thing that I healed from. It hurt me, yes, but, but he willingly chose to go to that cross because of the fact that he loves you so much, right? And so when we blame God and we go, God, where were you in my suffering? I want you to understand that he's weeping with you through that process. He's, he's helping you through each step of the way. There's there's a reality with suffering. Let's just be honest, though. Sometimes it's just self-inflicted, right? I could probably give you a hundred stories of my own self-inflicted, you know, pain in my life. And some of that is not just not caring for the temple that God gave us, right? For some of us, that's, that's ignoring the things that God's provided for us. Uh, for, 
For, for some of us, that, that self-inflicted reality is that, is that um, it can also be the choice of others. I think some of us have suffered at the hands of other people. Uh, they're painful choices. In this case, it was Satan's, right? That's attacking Job and pursuing Job. I think for others of us, we have experienced pain at the hands of others who've hurt us, harmed us, discouraged us, and, and we just understand that. But also, I think it's important for us to understand, Pastor Jim said this, that that pain, if we're, if we're transparent, is unavoidable for all of us, right? Because we're getting old. Let's just be frank, right? Uh, that we're all in a process of watching our bodies waste away. Now, this is hard to read, but it's kind of fun. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man to ever walk the earth, he described the aging process. And uh, it's okay to laugh at this because it's kind of awkward that we're all going through this at some level. But in the, um, in the message translation by Eugene Peterson, he says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 3 through 13. He says, in your old age, your body no longer serves you so well. Muscles slacken, grip weakens, joints stiffen, the shades are pulled down on the world. You can't come and go at will. The things grind to a halt. The hum of the household fades away. You're weakened now by, the bird, by bird songs. Hikes to the mountains are a thing of the past. Even a stroll down the road has its terrors. Your hair turns apple blossom white, adorning the fragile and impotent matchstick of your body. Yes, you're well on your way to eternal rest while your friends make plans for your funeral. This is really encouraging, isn't it? Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> Life, lovely while it lasts, is soon over. Life as we know it, precious and beautiful, ends. The body is put back in the same ground that it came from. The spirit returns to God who first breathed in it. Now, kids, you got something to look forward to. <laughs> you know, we, we know this. I think sometimes we just ask ourselves, why? What's going on? But I, I appreciate this, this truth that pain, while we don't always know the why behind it, it can cost, cast a dark shadow over everything else in our lives. I want you to catch this last part of this, though, if we allow it to. And so we know people who've experienced horrific pain, uh, whether it's physical suffering or at the hands of others that have gone through it, and they still radiate joy, right? You know people like that. I know people like that. We have people like that that are part of our church family that, that have experienced horrifying, terrible events in their life, yet they radiate joy. But we also know people who have allowed bitterness to become lethal in their lives. We, we use the phrase, I don't know why we say this, I should look it up, but why we say kick the cat, you know, but you're, you're frustrated, the poor cat, right? But you're frustrated with your own experiences, so you just lash out on everyone around you. One wise person puts it this way, hurt people, hurt people. And, and we see it all around us right now. I mean, all around us right now, people who are suffering and in crisis themselves, that they, they choose to take a pound of flesh off everybody that's around them, right? I, I got honked at the other day, and it wasn't one of those like, uh, uh, you're a bad driver, but it was one of those like, like, uh, you know, and, and, and I think what I did was bad. Yeah, I can justify that. But, but inside that person was just filled with something. And we see it around us, all around us, that hurt people hurt people. And, and I'd like to suggest that bitterness can be contagious as well. We almost rationalize it. If they hurt me, I can get away with this. And, 
And, and it's also important, this is a kind of a side point this morning, but, but um, the, the side point is, is that there's, it is often very difficult for us to watch other people that we love suffer. Some of us have watched people we love in nursing homes and we've been distant from them, but the deepest kind of pain, we talk about Job's wife and all of this. She lost her kids too, right? She, she went through her own form of suffering, but as she's watching her husband go through this physical suffering, that, that, that at times is worse than going through suffering ourselves, right? And in, in her case, in that discouragement, you guys remember the author of Princess Bride when he says, life is pain. Uh, and anybody who tells you differently is trying to sell you something, right? You guys have heard that before. That the recognition that life is pain does not have to lead us to find ourselves angry with God. These words are helpful to see in Job 9.18. He will not let me get my breath. He fills me with bitterness. Job was experiencing this crushing pressure around him. L listen to Job's words in the midst of his frustration and discouragement. Job chapter 3 verse 20 and 23 says this, why is light given up to him who is in misery and life to the bitter in soul who longs for death but it comes not, who digs for it more than hidden treasures, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave. Why is light given to the man whose way is hidden whom God has hedged him in? And then Job 6, 9, he says, Oh, that I might have my request, that God would fulfill my hope, that it would please God to crush me, that he would not lose his hand and cut me off. These are the, the cries of a person who's suffering. But in the midst of that time period, instead of choosing to take matters into his own hands, to curse God and die, to give up on the God of the universe, this is what's so great. Job did not let that happen. He, he chose to, to trust that central point this morning is that together we can get through this, that I'm with you through this each step of the way. And so when we talk about the sanctity of life, like that Job understood that life needs to be left, life and death needs to be left into the hands of the God that invented and created you. So Job leaves his life and his death in God's competent hands. And it leads us to the third point this morning, that God will be our comforter. But there's a big if on this one, if we let him. He'll be your comforter. He, he's made that really clear that he can be your comforter if you let him. Verse nine goes on to say this. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Verse 10, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. That sounds really harsh. But, but I think what he's saying there is, this isn't what we believe. You're forgetting what's so important to us. As a family, we're a group of people who've committed ourselves to trusting the Lord. Shall we receive good from God? This is so profound. And shall we not receive evil? And all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. You know, it's great is this is the last time that Satan is named in the text. It's really helpful. He, he's done his work. He's already sown his pain. He's, he's allowed others now. There's going to be others that come along and who, who accuse Job. There's going to be people who add insult to his injury. And, and others will do his bidding. I just want to commit in my life to not be someone who allows Satan to use to do evil to other people. <laughs> and, and in this context here, what Job's wife is doing is she's forgetting 
what was true about the God of the universe. I, I think life is tough. But I really believe in my heart that with God's help, we can be tough enough to handle anything that life throws at us. Anything. And then we graduate to heaven. <laughs> and then we get to experience a new body and a new restoration and a new provision. It, it's something that's included in this. I, I absolutely believe in divine healing. I, I, I don't live in fear in my life. I trust the Lord. I take my medicine when it's appropriate. I try to care well for my body. I, I'm committed to being a person, though, that trusts that God can do miraculous healings amongst us. Jesus is our healer. He's our good physician. In James 5, it talks about when you're sick, to call the elders together in the church. That is helpful. Like, you're connected to a group of leaders in a church in such a way that you call them. They come together. They pray over you, and they pray, God's will be done on behalf of this person. We pray for a miracle. We prayed all the time. Last week after the second service, I got to speak to a woman who God had healed of cancer in her life. And, and I'm sitting here looking at her and it's like almost like I don't believe it. I, was, I got to be a part of this. But I'm standing back and I'm just looking at this and I'm going, he is our healer. He can and he does heal. He doesn't always heal though. And we've talked about it here that sometimes he chooses not to. And in Job's process, he still had to suffer. And that doesn't mean that God ever stopped loving Job. I just love these words. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Isn't that a great verse? That, that he's still working in us. He's still building into us. So you can get through this together with Christ. I, I, I had a neighbor one time who, uh, some of you might be uh, Catholic, ex-Catholic, whatever. That, so I don't know what the deal is with like the Joseph statues, but somebody explained to me he was having trouble selling his house when the housing market was kind of rough. And so he buried a statue of St. Joseph in his front yard um, so that uh, like St. Joseph could look down upon his house. And I said, dude, what if you aimed St. Joseph at my house? I don't want to sell my house. You know, you can get it. Uh, like he, he, he was kind of like, like this, like, oh, I hope it works, right? I hope it works. I think that that mindset has permeated Christianity in some of our lives. We get sick and so we say, say oh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. I, I want to help to remind us of this, that together we can get through this, that, 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 that suffering is a part of our lives. We know that suffering is going to be a part of our lives. But when, when we come together with the Lord, we're able to accomplish anything in our lives, right? So, so when you're suffering today, I want to just remind you of this image it's actually an image that's quite fascinating. In the Old Testament, there was this moment with Moses where there are people who are being bit by snakes. It's a really weird thing recorded in the book of Numbers. I'm reading through the Bible this year, and I came across it like, that's weird. I remember this. And then it's, it's recalled in uh, John chapter 3. And it talks about the serpent and the pole. And actually, when you drive home today, you're going to see a bunch of poles with serpents on them at medical places. The image, biblically, was this time where, where people were healed because they looked onto this thing that Moses had set up. And later on in John chapter 3, it's brought up. And you know what it's describing? 
is it's describing the Lord Jesus Christ being lifted up. And when we're suffering, we don't have to go it alone, but we go through it together, trusting that the Lord's got this. And so we look up to the cross, right? And we say, you know what? Together we can handle whatever life throws at us. So that's suffering in the hospital bed. That's in the last moments of our lives. That's in times of health. But you can get through this together with trusting the Lord Jesus Christ together. In John chapter 16, 22, it says this, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Are you letting people take your joy right now? Are you letting circumstances take your joy? Uh, if you are, stop it. <laughs> It's not worth it. No one should have the right to do that in our lives. Jesus is our good physician. He knows our needs more than what we do. Uh, I want to close with this last illustration. It's really personal, so forgive me. It means a lot to me. Um, and we're going to move our hearts into a time of worship response. We're going to sing a song that was written from a, by a man who had experienced great suffering had experienced great loss. And somebody asked me after church last week, they said, now is the church like altar open for prayer? I'm like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you want to come up as we sing these words and just get on your knees and just say, Lord, would you heal me? Would you protect me? Would you help to return and restore what's bitter and broken in my life? Lord, please heal me inside and out. Let's do that. Let's pray together. Let's Allow as we sing this, it is well with my soul song. Like, let's just declare this. Lord, I trust you, right? I trust you. We can do this together. This isn't just luck. This is, I trust you. We can do this together. But when, when I was a youth pastor, I had a student who um, was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. He was a non-believer. Uh, and one of his golf buddies went to our church and was in our youth group, actually our pastor's son had introduced the gospel to Mike, and Mike became a believer. So he was a, a kid who wasn't a believer until he was about 17 years old. And um, when he was young, though, he had been diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, terrible disease. Some of you know the disease. It's horrible. It affects your ability to breathe. And he was just a skinny, frail guy. He was a great golfer, um, which is pretty cool. But um, Mike, I can remember uh, a week before he was supposed to get married, his body really failed him just terrible. And in fact, it was all the signs were that he was going to die. And I, I forget, I should, I should look it up. Allie could clarify it with me. I think we were in seminary at the time. We were physically away. We were supposed to come back for the wedding. And so I wasn't able to be with him in the room until um, just right before the funeral, uh, right before he passed away. But uh, Mike had um, somewhere in this process uh, gone out to a tattoo parlor and he had gotten tattooed across his chest, the, the words in Greek, Maranatha. I don't know if you know what that word means. It means, come, Lord Jesus, come. And, and, and I can't even imagine the pain on his little body when he had that done. But, but what Mike was declaring, a person who went from death to life at the point that he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior, by the way. You know that, right? So, so before that, he was a man who, in his own goodness was condemned before the God of the universe. But after that, by placing his faith and trust in, in Jesus Christ, everything was ripped away from him. His marriage that was supposed to be a week later, his bride, just, she just wept beside that bed. But, but I want you to understand something that you and I can have 
And that is even as he stood in the valley of the shadow of death, he feared no evil because God's rod and his staff, he comforted him. So, so when I say like, Lord, Jesus, come, I do say, come back, restore your creation. Let's do this thing. Let's, let, let's, let's have you return and restore what's broken on earth. Lord, I pray that at times. But in my own life and in his life, as he stood before life and death, he stood up and he said, together with the Lord Jesus Christ, we can do this. And he could say the words that we're about to sing in this song, even though it was painful. It is well with my soul. Father God, we love you and just thank you and praise you for those who are in our church family that are sick. I, I pray against the times that people like me may have stood around them and been insensitive or uh, uncompassionate, not knowing how to even respond. Uh, but Lord, we do begin with recognizing that you can and do heal. And I just celebrate the way that you have and you continue to heal in people's lives. Thank you, Lord. Do it again. Keep doing it. We pray that you would. But I also pray, Lord, for those of us who you will not heal, Lord, that, that inside, not knowing that there's going to be a day of physical, earthly restoration for us, Lord, would we still say, it is well with my soul. I thank you for Job that maintained his integrity even amidst great suffering. 